Before we read uh, our text, Philippians 4, chapter, uh, yeah, Philippians 4, verse 10 to 13, I just want to briefly mention why I chose um, this text. Uh, the reason is very simple, because you are going to know that in this text, uh, Paul is going to say thank you to the Philippians. And as you know, for the last four years, as I studied the, uh, God's word, you have supported me so much um, yeah, with prayers and, of course, financial support, too. Um, so I want to say thank you as I preach also. And I also want to say that, um, you know, my, the licensure exam is not my accomplishment. Uh, you, without you, I can't do anything. And even this preaching and even the morning preaching is not my work. You all helped me and prayed for me. That's why, by God's grace, we could do it together. So I just want to say thank you. This is God's word, so we are going to read Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 to 13. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to, how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Shall we pray once again? Heavenly Father, we now listen your word preached. Lord, once again we pray. Help us to see your glory. Let your Holy Spirit work in our heart. Your word will sanctify us day by day. In doing so, may we all die unto sin and live unto righteousness, even now. Go with us, O our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joy, by definition, a feeling of good pleasure and happiness. So joy is a good feeling, and in God's good design as the creator, we have so many joy. We have a lot of way to have joy in this creation. I don't know about you, but in my case, I love to have coffee in the morning, and you know it helps your brain works, but also you can taste so many things, like a little bit bitter, a little bit sweet. But when we compare is worldly joy, not necessarily means something bad, as I say, worldly. When we compare this worldly joy with Christian joy, Christian joy has some distinctive uh, features. And one of them is Christian joy is relational or personal. Christian joy does not come from something. It comes from some one. Joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy comes from 
God, who is personal. Therefore, when we have fellowship with God, from that fellowship, we could have joy in Jesus Christ. And of course, this is, uh, the qualitatively speaking, this is completely different from worldly joy. So from this text, I want to show you Christian joy comes from your personal fellowship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. So verse 10 is like the backbone of the entire text, not only from verse 10 to 13, but even to verse 20. So Paul says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So he wants to say, thank you, Philippians, because you have supported me financially. You gave me some monetary gift. So I'm very thank you. But he didn't say like that directly. As you see the entire text, after he says verse 10, he says 11, not, and then he talks about what he does not mean. And from verse 14, yet, and they, now he starts to talk what he really means. Then maybe you think, why is it so complicated? Why don't you just say thank you, right? But the reason is that Paul recognized the enemy of the gospel. As if I use the language of uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 18, enemies of the cross of Christ. Do you remember Paul mentioned about the enemy of Christ who preached the gospel to afflict Paul who was in the prison? And even Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, when you see that, Paul knew that the favorite tactic of Paul's enemy was to talk about the fact that Paul receives the monetary gift from the congregation as he uh, legitimately work as he preached the, in, in preaching the gospel. So Paul knew that if he just say thank you for the gift, the enemy is going to attack. Not only attack him, but also attack Jesus Christ. So Paul doesn't want to mess up the ministry of the gospel. That's why he's so careful to say thank you for the Philippians. Then let's see uh, what does it not mean as we read verse 11 and 13. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So now, Paul was re Paul rejoiced and Paul was grateful for the gift of Philippians. Not necessarily because of the gift itself, but he had the secret. He learned how to be brought low. And in any and every circumstance, he knew the secret of contentment. So that's was something we need to learn, right? Maybe some of you think it sounds something wrong. And yes, it is wrong. We by nature, in our sinful nature, when we read this kind of familiar text, we always put ourselves first rather than what the Bible teaches. If we read 
these texts with emphasizing my joy, my contentment, my happiness, then we are nothing different from the enemy of the gospel who attacked Paul. Do you remember 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Notice, use the same term, contentment, but also godliness, the order, godliness with contentment. For the enemy of the gospel, contentment with godliness is great gain. For them, godliness is a glorious cloth to show how he is holy so that he can fulfill his belly. And to them, Paul warned in previous chapter, verse 19, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. So we, when we read this text, we must put God first and then understand our contentment. Then now, how to understand this text? Let me uh, touch briefly touch three texts in the book. The first one is uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 20 to 21. Chapter 1, verse 20 to 21. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What in the world? For Paul, death could be gain. That's because Paul wants Jesus Christ. He wants to see him as soon as possible. When he see him, he'll be free from sin. When he see him, there's no suffering in his imprisonment. And even more than that, when he see him, he will be sinless and holy just as our Savior is. That's why he desires to see our Savior. That's why for him death is gain and to live is Christ. Now, secondly, move on to chapters 3 and verse 7 and 8. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order, to, in order that I may gain Christ. Paul suffered all things to gain only one thing, one person, Jesus Christ. Do you know, do you want to know what is the secret of contentment? It's right here. Our Savior is the very secret of your contentment. And by the way, when Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain, that does not mean that he didn't do anything and just sit down and waiting until God will pick him up. He actively suffered to lose all things 
to actively gain Jesus Christ, his Lord. So this evening, if you desire Jesus Christ like Paul, here's the good news. You already know the secret of contentment. Do you really want and badly desire our Savior? You are able to be content in any and every circumstance. Now, thirdly, we move on to uh, verse 20 and 21 in chapter 3. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Paul is talking about a heavenly contentment here, which is incomparable and greater than earthly contentment. The reason is simple. Children, do you know after you die, there is a world which continues forever. When you go to the street, the world says, there's nothing after you die. Therefore, you can do whatever you want. That's a lie. The Bible, the Word of God, clearly teaches that after you die, you will see Jesus Christ. And you will live with him forever. But here is a good news. If you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will be like him. When our Savior will resurrect you, you will have the exact same body now you have. But there is a qualitative difference. Your body will be glorious like his body, like the body of Jesus Christ. Your body will be holy. And there is another good news. After the resurrection, when you see the face of Jesus Christ, you will be content. Because you instinctively know, this is my God and this is my love. This is my Savior. Figuratively speaking, when our Savior also sees us, he will sing like this. This is bone of my bones. This is flesh of my flesh like Adam in the garden. Because Jesus and the church are one, right? There is a mystery. And marriage depicts this beautiful picture. And this is our Christian hope. And when we see the face of our Savior, we will be completed. With this heavenly and Christ-centered context, we read this, our sermon text once again. Verse 10 says, I rejoiced in the Lord. Yes, I rejoice because I am in Christ. Verse 11, I have learned in whatever situation and I can I am to be content. Yes, I'm content because I have Christ. 
Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Notice, we must understand verse 13. The emphasis should be on him, not I. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Thus, the context of the book pushes us to understand that for Paul, Jesus Christ was the source of his joy. And he certainly had a heavenly and Christ-centered joy in his fellowship with God. Now, when we think about this um, Paul's joy, I don't know about you, but when I think about this and read it, I often feel ashamed because Paul, who preached the gospel, and because of that, he was in the prison. But he was so happy in the prison. I don't need to worry about that after this preaching, and you know, I'm not going to be arrested. But my life is not joyful like Paul. When I compare my life with Paul, my life is so easy, so safe. But I have too much complaint. I think it's fair to say that in this text, a content life is a joyful life. But I'm not content. I keep wanting something more than that. So I can see that my Christian life is not joyful. And I think, It is not my own problem. Maybe we all share that our Christian life is often not joyful. I appeal to all the youth and singles. Maybe sometimes you feel that something is missing in your life. You can see that in your heart there is emptiness, which is really deep. Maybe you wish if you get a job, if you go to university, or if you get married, or whatever, then maybe it would feel better. Maybe you are in that situation. And mothers, this evening, maybe you are not joyful because you feel so tired. Your children demand you. You have to continue to take care of them. Because this is the Lord's day, probably you want to have your own devotional time, like quietly with a good cup of coffee. But there is no such a luxury. Fathers, maybe you are not joyful this evening because you are done. Throughout the weekdays, you sacrifice yourself for your wife, for your children, for your parents for your co-workers, or even for your church members. In the middle of the night, when everybody sleeps and you go out, and maybe you think, until when I need to give myself to others? If I always give something from me to others, then who is going to feel me? And lastly, to the seasoned Christians, With humility, I appeal to you too. Maybe you are not joyful 
because you have tasted the misery of this life. You may not want to get old. It's a painful thing to see. And if your spouse is getting weaker, maybe you cry out to the Lord, what is the point of my life? When I will be free from this misery? But it was John Bunyan who imprisoned for 12 years because of his preaching. And in the prison, he was separated from, the fam- from his family for 12 years, and of course he didn't make any money, so he can't support, and actually he made a shoelace, but you know, that doesn't really help. But in the prison, he wrote a little poem, a prison meditation, and he said this, I am indeed in prison now, in body, but my mind is free to study Christ, and how unto me is kind. For though men keep my outward man within their locks and bars, yet by the faith of Christ I can mount higher than the stars. Their fetters cannot spirits tame, nor tie up God from me, my faith and hope. They cannot lay above them. I shall be. Can you hear the echo of Paul's writing? The joy of Paul and Bunyan are independent from their circumstance because their joy was in Christ. Then how we can have joy like this? That's the question. And I think here is the hint. Yet by the faith of Christ, I can mount higher than the stars. Faith in Jesus Christ is the key of your Christian joy. Exercise your faith. Be joyful by faith. Galatians 2.20 says, I live by faith in the Son of God, Love, love me and who gave himself for me, right? Live by faith is not a catchy phrase. It is your reality. And our reality until we see the face of Jesus Christ. And when we, when we are in glory, we will see his face as we believed. So I'm coming back to you all, youth and singles. It is Jesus Christ who completes you. You have to understand that if you are content with him now, you will not content in the future. Regardless how many, uh, how much you fulfill your wish, your job, your education, your marriage, whatever, never make you content fully. Without Christ, you can't be content. Without Christ, you can't 
rejoice. Mothers, I appeal to you once again. It was Christ who raised you up from when you were young, not only physically, but spiritually. Think about your life. How many times we mess up our life. But it was Christ who gently comes and lifts us up. Like a mother, he embraces us in love and grace, always, consistently. Fathers, it was Christ who does not have a place to lay down his head. He gave himself to us, to the church, literally, with all his heart, all his soul, all his mind, and even all his strength. And seasoned Christians, it was Christ who tasted the misery of this sinful world. Think about this. If the misery of this world breaks your heart that much, but your heart is sinful, right? But the heart of Jesus Christ was sinless. And Jesus tasted the misery of this life. He saw his best friend Lazarus died. And he wept. When he wept, his heart was crushed, shattered, beyond our imagination because we have never been sinless. But nevertheless, our Savior was obedient regardless of his tasting of the misery of this life. He was obedient until to his death. So Christians, unless you exercise your faith in Christ, unless you live like him, unless you think like him, unless he will be the point and the reason of your life, you can't have this joy in Jesus Christ. We suffer in Christ, right? But we grow in Christ as much as we suffer in Him. And as we become more like Him, we have more rejoice. As we suffer, even we sanctify our pain and our tears. We can understand his heart in the middle of our suffering. In doing so, we know him a little bit more. We become like him a little bit more. But that little understanding of our Savior gives you heavenly joy, which the world cannot give to you. So as we have seen, Christian joy is completely different from worldly joy. As you see, it is personal or relational as it comes from Christ. 
But also you could say that it is independent because it is independent from the world. But that means this joy is exclusive. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you do not belong to him this evening, you can't have never heavenly joy. You can't have this kind of joy in Jesus Christ. And if you confess yourself as Christians, as Christians, but still not sure like what kind of joy it is in the middle of the suffering, probably, probably that means we need to know Christ living more, a little bit better. But here is a good news. This Christian joy, which is exclusive and dependent, is also freely given to you all. If you come to him today, if you come to him, he will give you this joy. And as you come to him today, you will find this heavenly joy on the earth. Come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus. And he will never disappoint you. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you that all the blessings, all the treasure is hidden in your Son. Our Lord, nobody in this room wants to suffer. Nobody in this room likes Tears, discouragement, depression. But the Lord, your word promises that there is a joy which is independent from our every circumstance. Even when we are in a very difficult situation, we can rejoice in you, only in you. Oh Lord, this is our plea. Help us and make us to rejoice in you. Oh, the Holy Spirit, we beg you, help us to exercise our faith. Help us living by faith would be our reality. As we trust in you, we would be happy and joyful in any and every circumstance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.